Again, it's so good to have you here worshiping with us today. And I also want to welcome those that are joining us online uh, this morning. It's great to know that uh, you're out there. And if uh, you're joining us online, uh, it's always good to know who's out there. So we encourage you to comment. Let us know you're watching. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to make it easy on you. Turn with me to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis in the Old Testament, and we're going to be in chapter 32 this morning. And uh, while you're finding that, I just want to take a, a minute to celebrate with some of our families that recently completed uh, Financial Peace University. I appreciate Bill and Misty Nelson volunteering and leading uh, Financial Peace for us and helping other families in our church get a handle on their financial uh, debt. Uh, Misty shared with me that this group that just completed uh, the class uh, eliminated more debt than any group that we've had go through prior, and she said in a nine-week period, that group eliminated $35,000 worth of debt in nine weeks, and that's phenomenal, and I appreciate Bill and Misty so much. Uh, uh, leading that ministry uh, to help other families in our church, and we'll be offering that class uh, again. And so uh, if you have never been through that and are interested, uh, just keep your ears open, and we'll be announcing when that next class will be available if you're interested in breaking free uh, from some debt. Uh, well, those of you that are here or watching that, that know me very well, you know that I love sports. Uh, I'm, a, I'm what you would call, I guess, a, a sports fanatic. I played every sport when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, there were only three sports. It was baseball, football, and basketball. Uh, we didn't have soccer back then. And uh, I probably would have played that too if we'd have had it back then. I don't know. Uh, but I loved to play sports. And then when I got in high school, I, I rodeoed a little bit. And uh, that probably explains why my body is in the shape that it's in right now uh, and that why I have so many uh, pains when I get up in the morning. Uh, but I love sports, and it's not just sports that I love. And some of you are going to be able to relate to this, and some of you can't relate at all. But I love competition. I, I don't care what it is. I, I want to win. Uh, I, I, I just love competition. And I absolutely love winning. And uh, those of you that are, are like me, you understand. Uh, us competitive people are willing to do whatever it takes uh, to win. Some of you are not competitive, and, and that's okay. Uh, my wife, she isn't competitive at all. Uh, she absolutely cares nothing about sports whatsoever. I can't comprehend that. But that's just how she is. She was raised on a farm uh, up in Quitman, and uh, they didn't have a lot of sports, and they, they didn't have football at the time that she was in school. And so she doesn't know much about football and doesn't care much for it. But, uh, and I tell this story on her all the time, but, but I will never forget, just show you how non-competitive her nature is. Uh, we're at a Ra Razorback football game one year. And uh, it was coming down to the, the closing minutes of the game. 
We were behind by just a few points. We needed a touchdown in order to be able to, to win the game. We've got the ball in the closing seconds of the game. We've got it down. It's about the five-yard line. Our tickets just happen to be about the five-yard line. And, I mean, it's, it's happening right in front of us. I mean, it's right there. The, the, the place is going absolutely crazy. People are losing their minds. Uh, it was at War Memorial Stadium. Those of you familiar uh, know that uh, War Memorial gets a, a little wild. Uh, people get some, a lot of liquid courage uh, flowing through their veins at War Memorial. And, and, and so, it, I mean, it was just rocking. It was, you know, final seconds coming down to it here and all we need is a score, and I'm look. Everybody in the place is standing and going crazy, and I turn around and I look at, at my my beautiful wife who's standing here beside me, and we're all focused here. And I look at her, and she's like this. Okay, it's all happening right here, and she's standing like this right here, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And she said, "We have the most awesome band." And I knew then there was not going to be much hope uh, for her being a, somebody that loved football and, and loving sports. And, uh, but even though she doesn't really care about it and she's not that competitive, she, I've never seen her celebrate losing. Uh, you know, I don't know anybody, regardless of how competitive that they are, that celebrated losing. Or celebrated defeat, or, or being uh, beaten, uh, uh, because you know a loss or, or defeat can be heartbreaking. For some, it can be devastating, especially for those who are participating and competing because they've sacrificed so much of their time, their energy, uh, and and they've made a lot of sacrifices to be able to compl- play the game and and. and being committed to trying to be a winner. But here's the deal. Most all of us that are here this morning knows that when it comes to life, we're not always winners. Uh, We don't always feel like we're victorious. We sing a lot about it as the church. We sing songs like Victory in Jesus. We've sang about the victory that we have this morning through Jesus and, and the cross. But uh, we know that one day we will ultimately be victorious. But sometimes life just deals us some things and we feel like we're losing at this game called life. Or we feel like we've faced a major defeat or a major uh, upset. And when it comes to life, when it comes to being a follower of Christ... Honestly, sometimes defeat, sometimes being at those lowest moments of life can be what we absolutely need to draw us closer to God and get us where we need to be in the right kind of relationship with Him. Because here's the deal, as long as things are going great, as long as we're winning as long as everything uh, is going our way, then we might be tempted to think that we're doing okay, that we're doing all right in this thing 
called life, that we're making it just fine and, and, and we don't need any help and we seem to be rocking along in our own strength, our own wisdom and our own plan and everything's going uh, just lovely. But then there are times to where we have no choice but to turn to and place our trust in God. And I find it kind of interesting to me that often we will not turn to Him or trust Him in our life until we find ourselves in a situation to where we've been defeated and we feel like we've been upset. Uh, people a, a lot of times going through a very difficult situation, and, and I don't ever say anything because I know uh, people are, are going through a traumatic experience a lot of time, but I've heard people say uh, time and time again, well, all that's left now is just to pray and trust God. Like that's our last resort, and, and, and that's our final option. That We've tried everything else, but our last resort is, well, I guess now I'll just pray and, and, and trust God. Uh, this morning, I, I want to look at the story of Jacob here uh, in the, the book of Genesis, because here's the deal. Like uh, many of you, he's got, a, he's got a pretty long story, pretty interesting story. It actually begins here in the book of Genesis in, in chapter 25 uh, and goes all the way through chapter 50. And I think it's pretty amazing that the Bible actually uh, has 25 chapters that are included in it uh, containing the life experiences uh, of this one man, uh, Jacob, that we're looking at this morning. And I would imagine that many of you are, are, are familiar with Jacob and his story, but I just want to briefly summarize to get us to the place where we are today in this passage of Scripture. Uh, Jacob was born a twin. Uh, he had a twin brother named Esau. Uh, Jacob was the second born uh, of the twins. Uh, they were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. And chapter 25 tells us that they were born, Esau was born first, and Jacob was born holding on to the heel of Esau at birth. And that's how he was born, and therefore that's why he got the name Jacob, because the name Jacob actually meant heel grabber. And Jacob was uh, honestly throughout his life doing a pretty good job of living up to his name because he was often grabbing on to things and people that weren't meant to be his. Uh, he, he had the reputation of being a, a kind of a swindler. He had the reputation of, of being a, a cheater. Some of you may remember that he creatively uh, cons his twin brother Esau out of the birthright. Uh, he devises this plan and deceives his father into giving him Esau's blessing. And so Jacob uh, finds himself in a situation now where he's created a family dynamic to where he's not thought of very highly in the family. Uh, they all know that he's a swindler and a cheater and what he's done to them and their family, and he's double-crossed his brother Esau, and now Esau has vowed to kill him. Esau's had enough, he's seen enough, and he's vowed that he's going to kill Jacob, and so Jacob runs away from home, he's on the run, uh, 
Uh, he ends up getting a, a job working for a guy that's about as sorry as he is, which is a, a nice little story about what goes around comes around. Uh, we kind of enjoy seeing that happen sometimes, and we really shouldn't, but uh, we seem nearly work himself to death to try to get the wife that he wants. But anyway, in the story, Jacob becomes very successful. He has a successful business. Uh, he's a successful businessman raising sheep, raising livestock. But here's the deal. Out of all that success that he's experiencing in life, and all the hard work that is obviously paid off for him, you see what Jacob really wants in his life is not really wealth and fame and fortune and a great business. What Jacob really wants in life is just some peace in his heart. What Jacob really wants is just to be able to go home. He just wants some peace. He sees his wrongs. He wants to go home and try to make amends for it and make peace with his brother. But here's what he knows. He knows Esau. And he knows what he's done to Esau. And he knows if he goes home that what very likely could happen is that Esau would kill him if he goes back. And so Jacob comes up with a plan to return home. And he does what we all do when we find ourselves with really no more options and not even a flicker of hope. He falls to his knees and he calls out to God for help. He calls out to God in prayer and he pleads with God. He pleads with him to remember the covenant that they had made. He begs for help. He admits his wrongs and his unworthiness. And that brings us to the text that I want us to look at and focus on this morning. So let's pick up the story here in chapter 32 beginning at verse number 24. It says, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. And as he wrestled with the man, it was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penal, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Benal, and he was limping because of his hip. And our scripture starts out today here saying this, that Jacob was left alone. And sometimes God puts us in places alone. Because he needs us to realize 
that we don't need anyone but Him. Sometimes He puts us in places alone because He needs you to realize that you do not need anybody but Him. And so God has Jacob exactly where He wants him. He has him exactly where he needs him. And then comes the fight. And then comes the struggle. And this heel-grabbing cheater with a past wrestled and he fought with all his might. Because he's a competitor and he does not want to lose. And here's the deal. Some of you have been there. Some of you may have walked in here like that today. And you've been fighting. And you've been struggling. In all your strength and all your might. Because you do not want to lose. And don't miss this. I can almost picture God lifting Jacob's chin and looking into his eyes. And this morning, I want you to picture him lifting your chin and looking into your eyes as he asks, Do you really want to fight this? Do you really want to fight? Do you really want this struggle? Just how bad. Do you want me? Just how bad do you want me? And I think it's fair to ask this morning, just how bad do you want God? Just how bad do you want Him? Just how bad do you want His presence? Just how bad do you want His blessing? Because like we, we talked about Last week, a lot of people say, I want God. A lot of people call themselves a Christian. A lot of people say, this is what I want and this is who I am. But they're so casual to it. So casual about it. And so indifferent to what it truly means to be a follower of God. God says, You want me? You want me? Do you want me bad enough to fight for it? Do you want me bad enough to fight for me? And Jacob did. He, he wanted God so badly that don't miss this. He grabbed a hold of God and he would not let go. But here's what God knows. The only way that this was going to work, the only way that he knew that Jacob would continue down this path, the only way that Jacob would continue to be committed and, and totally dedicated to God is that Jacob had to be broken. He had to be humbled. And he had to be broken. 
And not in a mean way. I mean, it, it wasn't in a way that God was punishing Jacob for his past and all the things that he had done wrong in his past. That wasn't, wasn't what this was about. But the point was that he had to bring Jacob to this place alone where Jacob would know without a doubt how desperately he needed God. To know that Jacob's strength and, and Jacob's willpower or nothing else was going to be enough. That only God could be enough and would be enough. And, and we see here in this story that God throws Jacob's hip out of joint. Here in this story. And, and Jacob, well, he does what God had hoped for. Actually, no, it's not what God had hoped for. It's what God knew would happen what does Jacob do? He stops fighting. Don't miss this. He stopped the struggle. He stopped the fighting. And what does he do? He starts clinging. Right? He grabs a hold of. And he starts clinging in utter desperation. He, he's not fighting anymore. What's he doing? He's holding on for dear life because he has come to the realization that God is his only lifeline. God is his only help. And he quits fighting and he starts clinging a hold to a Savior. And he crawls away from the struggle. He, cr he crawls away from the battle. And the text tells us in verse 29, we see not only is he broken, but friends, he's blessed. He, he crawls away from this struggle, a blessed man. He, he takes away a, a souvenir from this, and some of you athletes, you've got uh, some souvenirs from some of your competitions and struggles. Uh, my x-rays reveal a, a lot of broken and cracked bones, and we've got scars, and we've got pain to prove it. Well, Jacob takes something away from this, and it's not a t-shirt that says, I wrestled with God at Penal and survived. Jacob is broken. He's broken, and it's impossible for him not to feel the pain, and don't miss this, and it's impossible for others not to notice. He's broken. But don't miss this. Now, what's he doing? Well, he's living an example. He's living an illustration of this, that he's better off Leaning on a crutch, walking with God, than walking perfectly fine all alone. He's a living illustration of that. Each wobbly step that he took, he knew that God was with him. Each wobbly step that he took, he knew that God was faithful. But his brokenness had to come. Before the blessing. It was the only way. So. 
how does this Old Testament story apply to us today? Well, I think some of us can probably already see how it applies. Because if you live long enough, you will experience at least one traumatic experience that will leave you feeling utterly broken. Maybe the death of a loved one. Maybe some disease. Maybe a parent or both of your parents abandoned you. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's just the struggle and the fight of trying to live out this Christian life that seems to be such a struggle for you. And your prayers, some of you have been there where you've just prayed prayers and it seems like they're never heard. They're not being answered. I think it's interesting that Scripture talks about our lives as fragile clay pots. I think that's interesting that we're described like that. Uh, Yesterday we... uh, uh, had the blessing of being able to help move uh, one of my sons, Hayden, and his wife, Elena, into their new house. And uh, I'm so grateful and thankful to God for blessing my family the way that he has. And It was a special weekend to be able to uh, do that. But I couldn't help but notice the care that they had taken to pack some of their most precious things. The most precious things, the most fragile things, got a little extra attention, a little extra padding, you know. Uh, Some of Hayden's stuff, we just threw it in the trailer, you know. But Elena's stuff, some of that stuff was, whoo, it was wrapped and sealed. Friends, that's our lives. They're fragile. A fragile clay pot. And as we experience struggles and we experience things in life, that fragile pot begins to crack. And they begin to appear on the outside. And they get longer. And they get uglier. And then we're broken. And the strength you had in your self-made spirituality, the strength that you had in your self-control, in your behavior, all that vanished. And let me tell you something, a lot of people at that point, at this point, they lose hope. They lose hope. Many give up on life altogether. And sadly, a lot of people give up on God. Because, honestly, going to church doesn't seem to help. I've had people tell me, when they walked into church, broken. It didn't help. It seemed to make it worse. Because we sat down in our chairs and we look at those people around us. And we look at them, and it looks like their lives are all together. Look at that good-looking family. 
Look at those people. Their lives look perfect. They appear perfect. They're good looking. They smell good. They're smiling. And let me tell you something. Broken people that are hurting and struggling. When they walk into a room and they feel like they're surrounded by everybody who's got it together. And everybody's lives who are perfect. They feel like they don't fit in. They feel like that they're out of place and they feel uncomfortable around people like that. And this morning, I would encourage you to look around you this morning, and I've said it a thousand times, I don't know about the other churches, but I know the majority of people that go to this church, and I know most of them pretty well, and here's what I know about them, they far from perfect. I know their messes. I know their family struggles. I know the burdens they carry. I know their test results. And you're surrounded by people this morning that are in the same boat that you're in. And if they're not now, they have been. But yet here they are. This building is full of imperfect people. But you know what? We're in the perfect place. We're in the perfect place to find help. To find Jesus. It's where we need to be. And it's where we should want to be. To some of you here today, God seems distant. I've talked to a lot of people that have made that statement. I just don't feel like I'm close to God. I feel like He's distant. I don't feel like He's near. And I asked the same question that I've been asking for 25 years now. Used to ask teens this all the time when they would share that with me. I feel like God's not close and that He's distant. And I would ask them, then who moved? Because He didn't. If you're not close to God, who moved? Because He didn't. He hasn't left you. And can I tell you this this morning? Just because you're struggling, just because you're fighting, or you feel like you're in the middle of a, a, a wrestling match, God hasn't left you. The way that you feel doesn't mean that you're unworthy. That wasn't what this was all about. It wasn't that Jacob was unworthy. Uh, if you're going through a struggle or you're going through a storm or no matter what it is, it, it doesn't mean that you're unworthy or that you've lost your Christian faith or even that you're a bad Christian. It's not what it means. Broken Christians exist. It's okay. It's okay. I know this. Because I've got my own scars to prove it. But I love what 
Paul said. The Apostle Paul, in writing to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he was writing to a group of people that had been through quite the struggle. And he says this starting in verse 7. We now, though, have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like these fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Yes, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down. But we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. Oh, yes, we do. But we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in us. In our bodies. Friends, we all have a little Jacob in us. Some of us have a lot of Jacob in us. We are Jacob. Maybe you've been wrestling with some things in your life that you just don't have the strength to overcome. And you know it. Maybe this morning. What he wants you to hear from him is he lifts your chin and he looks into your eyes this morning. Maybe it's time to stop wrestling with him and just grab hold. And you're going to have to grab hold. With what little strength you have left. And hold on. For dear life. Did you notice what happened to Jacob when he stopped fighting? And he grabbed hold to God and he wouldn't let go of him. Scripture tells us that when Jacob did that. God blessed him right then. God blessed him right there. And when Jacob stopped fighting in his own strength, God blessed him right then. And friends, when God blesses you, old things will pass away and all things will be made new. That's his promise. That's what he's in the business of doing. He's making things new. Friends, when God blesses you, You can go home. When God blesses you, He changes your name. When God blesses you, He changes the way that you walk. And it may be with a limp, just to remind you. 
after Jacob's encounter with God, I believe that he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And the reason I believe that is because the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 11 and verse 21, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Maybe you've been scarred. Well, here's the deal. Those scars may always serve to you as a reminder. It's better to walk with God and limp than to walk alone. Our suffering is nothing in comparison to what he went through for us. Our scars, our limps are nothing in comparison to what he did for you. And our suffering and our problems and our battles are as unique as the individuals that we are, that he made us. But here's the deal. We're fortunate. <laughs> We're fortunate enough to be able to have a relationship with the one whose purpose on this earth was to suffer so that he could understand our brokenness. He suffered so that he could understand our pain, our struggles, our fights, our battles. He went through what he went through so that he could understand what you're going through. This morning, as we close in prayer, I want to ask you to bow your heads and and just tell you these altars are always open. This morning, I know that God is speaking to some of you. You're tired of the fight and you're tired of the struggle. You're tired of the wrestling match. You're just tired. Some of you walked through those doors broken today. And you're scarred. And you have a noticeable limp and people can see it. He's saying to you this morning. Grab on to me. Grab on to me. And let me bless you. And if that's you this morning, I invite you to join me at these altars for a time of closing prayer. If that's you today and you would just say, I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the fight. I just need to grab on to God and trust Him. I invite you to come this morning as we close in prayer together. But I would also say to those of you that walked in here feeling good. Everything seems to be going your way. You don't really have a care in the world. Be careful. 
be careful. Because sometimes He has to get us to a point of brokenness before we'll truly embrace Him and depend on Him. If you would like to come this morning as we close in prayer, I invite you to come at this time. God, I thank you so much today for this love that we've sang about, that we've been reminded of here in the story of Jacob. We look at his story and we look at his past and I believe most of us in here can relate. We've all got a past. But God, the awesome thing about you is this. You don't want to leave us in the past. You want to bring us into the future. And the future with you, we've learned today, is blessed. And so many things change. Yes, the pain may still be there. The scars may still show. We may continue on in this life with a noticeable limp because of our struggle and because of our fight. But God, again, I thank God for the scars. I thank you for the limp because it just shows your love. And how much you truly love me. And God, it is truly better for me to walk through this life with a limp. And walk with you. Than to walk it alone and look okay. God, I believe there are probably some people here today that you've lifted their chin. You've looked into their eyes. And you've told them. And they've heard. Just grab hold. Just grab hold. And don't let go. But there's also some others here this morning that have heard a warning. Have heard how dangerous it is to walk alone. And you love us enough that you're willing to do whatever it takes to bring us back to you. Whatever it takes to bring us home. And so God. May we grab hold of you now. Before you have to do something that is so much more painful to get our attention. And I thank you today for what you're doing. But God, most of all, I thank you for what you're going to do in the future. As some people are walking out of here today, blessed. Because they've stopped fighting and they've grabbed hold to their lifeline. To the one true God. And as we leave here today, blessed. Use us to be a blessing to others. Use us to share our story, our testimony, our witness to those 
that are also struggling and battling and fighting to get through life. That there is hope in you. There's hope in you. If we'll just grab a hold and not let go. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray and ask these things. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Enjoy this beautiful day and have a good week.